You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ariel Hawani, host of the MMA Hour on the Vox Media Podcast Network. Each week, we interview the biggest names in the world of mixed martial arts and beyond. So tune in live every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern over at MMAfighting.com or download the show afterwards on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you then. Hey, friends. Welcome back. Limited Upside Podcast. I'm Mike Prada. And it's been seven games, which means it's time for some sweeping conclusions about how the NBA is going to go this year. We brought on Tim Cato, our friend from SBNation.com. We brought Alex Rubenstein back after last week. And we're basically just going to go through a bunch of things that are happening. Like, is this trend real or not? What will we bet on this trend being either real or fake? We go through the Cavaliers first and foremost. Like, are they actually trash? Do they actually stink? We talk a little bit about the Orlando Magic. Are they actually awesome? Uh, and then we go through a number of mini trends. We talk about certain players that are starring, Kristaps Porzingis among them. We talk about, ugh, I know. We talk about Ben Simmons because we have to talk about Ben Simmons. He's actually kind of interesting. We talk about a number of team trends that are interesting to us, like Detroit. Are they actually good? Uh, we talk about all those things, and we talk about a number of nitty-gritty trends and a number of questions league-wide that you guys have sent us, including a really intriguing one from our friend Jared Dubin. Will a point guard lead the NBA in scoring this year after doing it the last three years in a row? Right now, they are not the top three. So that will be our show, you know, analyzing whether these trends are real and how much confidence do we have to gamble life things on them. This is a limited upside podcast. You can find us on the Vox Media Podcast Network. You can check us out on Apple Podcasts with the show Limited Upside. Leave us a review, download the show. We do one, at least one of these every week, sometimes two or three. We appreciate the five-star reviews. Uh, we also appreciate if you have any feedback for us. As you can see from this episode, we ask, we answer a lot of your questions on the show. So tweet at us at limited underscore upside if you have something that you want one of us or any of our guests to answer. And continue to check out the show anywhere else you get your podcast. This is the Limited Upside Podcast. Is this real or fake show here on the Limited Upside Podcast? Welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast. I'm Ben Epstein, as always, joined by Mike Prada here. Alex Rubenstein making his second appearance here, we which, is, you back. which is awesome. Why. He made the cut. Bad decision, but happy to be here. And then Tim Cato on the line, joining us to talk NBA trends. Tim, how's it going? It's going well. How are you guys? We're good. We're good. Alex was wearing his jacket in the room. He's getting more comfortable, though. He's getting comfortable on this podcast. Settling this is, in. It's going to work out well. Um, we're just talking about basketball. What do you have to be so nervous about? I mean, he... <laughs> I'm terrified. You're sweating a little bit. You know, jackets are good for hiding the sweat. So uh, <laughs> I was like that too, Alex. That's why That's why I'm remote. You can't see me. You're a uh, smart man, Tim. But, you know, jackets also cause sweat because you're bundling up more than you, you know should. You know what, Prada, you're overthinking it now. <laughs> no, no, yeah. you're going too far. Well, let's save some of this overthinking for these way too soon team trends that we're going to get into and player trends. Uh, I think what we wanted to do here was say we're a few weeks into the season. There's not too much that we should be saying, we're going to hang our hat on, this is going to happen for the next, whatever, 75 games. But 
there's definitely some stuff that's intriguing. Um, some individual players. We'll talk about Porzingis, Nola Depot, Giannis, Simmons, guys like that. But we should Obviously start off. We'll talk about Simmons. Clearly, well, this is because we're trying to do the proper justice for the NBA, Mike. And Ben Simmons happens to be in it now. He's not on LSU anymore, everybody. Um, and. We should start with the biggest trend so far that might be a trend or might not. And this is kind of like the whole, let's debunk it, or let's say this actually has some weight to it. Um, The Cavs are trash. The Cavs are trash. They really are. I mean, there's no way around it. Right now, they are objectively bad. Um, And whether or not that actually matters, because we've been tricked before, um, I think most of us have our guards up because of previous regular season basketball that the Cavs have played to not read too into this. But having said that, Tim, they suck at defense. It doesn't look like they have a lot of good shooters. They added Rose, Wade, Jeff Green, a bunch of guys who really don't have much business being on successful teams right now. Is it, it's just October, but like, should we care? The floor is yours, Tim. I mean, to to an extent. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, like you said, it's just it, it's it's so weird to think about this team and to you know try to analyze this team when you know that they don't care about the regular season and. They show it every time they don't get back on defense and every time they don't, you know, really run a pick and roll. And, and you know, this this time right now doesn't matter to them. And, you know, clearly they have the talent um, and, and they will make the playoffs and they will probably be fine once once they do that. Um, but but I think it's reasonable to be to concern. The thing the thing that really scares me is not that uh, that that Rose is, you know, Rose is who we thought, you know, Wade is is, you know, getting to the point where he's a bit washed up, but you know, kind of, kind of who we thought um, the lineup you think that would really, would uh, really be successful for them. You know, uh, LeBron Crowder, J.R. Smith, LeBron, Tristan Thompson, that five sum um, I think has played the most minutes out of any five man group so far, you know, very early still uh, they have almost a minus 20 net rating. That's horrid. That's horrible. And that's, that's like their five man unit. That's supposed to be good. That's the one that, you know, they can actually rely on. That's the one that has LeBron and you surround him with shooting. And, uh, you know, I, I thought I thought Crowder uh, and Crowder has been, you know, he's been fine, but I thought he was going to come in and, you know, maybe have a career year playing next to LeBron and it really, you know, change what this team is able to be just because he's he's, you know, a kind of two way that they haven't quite had of this level. Um, I thought, you know, w- with with the team looking like that, it just it just it's it's very it's very strange. It's very odd to me that that even even the good lineups, quote unquote, are uh, are are the ones struggling as well. To put some numbers on it, the yeah. Cavs have the twenty third best net rating right now after seven after uh, seven games. Mm-hmm. They are one of they are twenty seventh in defense at one hundred nine point eight allowed. Only the Mavericks, the Nets, and a team we'll talk about a little later, your Minnesota Timberwolves, are worse. So they're doing really bad. They are allowing teams to shoot. Really well from the field, and let's just like re- I think we need to review like how there are losses, and then there is double digit loss at home to Orlando, double digit loss on the road to New Orleans, double digit loss at home to the Knicks. I guess the roaring Knicks, who are now three and three, you know, and, a, are- and a loss on the road to the Nets. Yeah, it, it's it's they're not even playing good teams. Their schedule has been softer than tissue paper, and they're still doing this poorly. There's. There's no excuse. So they've played a ton of different lineups, right? So Ty Lue has <laughs> he's trying to make these uh, square pegs and round holes work, which is difficult. It's also difficult because this is a different dynamic than he's had to 
coach before. I think one of the aspects that Kyrie gave him was an automatic, if I need a bucket, I have it. And look, Isaiah Thomas might come back and be able to provide something that is a reasonable facsimile to that. But yeah, that doesn't exist right now. And that puts an extra emphasis, an extra burden physically in the minutes, in, in what he's doing on both ends of the court, on LeBron. And that's the thing that I think is most different about this regular season little swoon right now that they're in, is that it's early. And it does not pretend oh, well. is it? Yeah, I'm going to say this, but it's early. And, he, and let me finish this statement. It's early and he's putting a lot more effort in per game right now than he's had to do over the last five, six years. He is playing more minutes per game. I'm not quite sure he's putting in more effort if you watch him when <laughs> That's his man true. doesn't have the Maybe ball. Maybe effort wasn't the right <laughs> word, but they need, in order for them to turn these losses into wins and not be blown out by teams like the Knicks, they need LeBron to be extra special. Like, not just this level of, that we've come accustomed to, but maybe even to raise his game as, at some point, the human aspect of being older, <laughs> being, you know, 30, what is he, 32, 31? 32. 33, 33, but 33. The thing is, he's playing, he's played so many minutes, he's at 37 minutes in game so far, has not rested once. Wow. I mean, yeah, and he can't rest, because this team, if he rests, they, they have actually, no secondary ball handler. Right. I Not mean, only that, ball handlers, it's, big man presence who can actually defend, like, a four in this league, like, that's Crowder, or it's Love, but Crowder has been, you know, spread a little thin on D. And I would not bank my defensive chips on Kevin Love. And, and so you have this kind of like weird mismatch. And I want to I get your thoughts, Tim, uh, on Dwayne Wade. Because this is a guy who actually has like, he has to be important for them. But I don't think he's capable anymore of being that guy. Yeah. And, you know, like the, the one thing that I thought him and, uh, him and LeBron would be able to do. And, you know, I, I like Wade. Wade still can't shoot. You know, he's never, never been able to, never will be able to, to reliably shoot uh, three pointers. I, I've always liked Wade's ability to kind of make up for that by, you know, these really savvy, smart cuts. And just, I feel like he does more off the ball to make up for his lack of spacing and in a way provide his own sort of spacing. But uh, the, the, the team hasn't really seen that um, LeBron and Wade have played together 92 minutes. And, uh, their minus eight net rating is is less concerning to me than their their one oh three offensive rating, which means, you know, the, the defense is bad, but but it's not, you know, it's it's kind of about in line with how bad their defense has been. Their offense is the one that's that's kind of making that pairing not work. And and you would think that, you know, with the chemistry, you know, the dating back to Miami and and all this stuff that that Wade and LeBron you know, the one thing that you could kinda of hang your hat on with lineups like that is that you know maybe they're not the best defensive one that that can be put out there, but they're, they're going to score because, you know, they, they just have these knacks. And obviously it's still a small enough sample size. You kind of have to look at, you know, these lineups that they're put with. But in general, it's it's not a it's not a good sign that, that they can't even, you know, generate a consistent offense, not even, you know, not you know, below average, even for what they're averaging right now. And that's 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 concerning. It's just there's a lot of a lot of red flags going up all over the place. Um, and it's ones we've seen before. You know, we've we've seen them, you know, have red flags and, and then just kind of move past them like it's nothing when when they decide to really care. But I mean, red flags are still not a thing that you want. It's it's not something that that you're looking for on a on a team. And yet here we are. I don't know why we're surprised by Wade being like this. I'm I mean, not surprised. I, I mean, that, or why anyone would yeah. think that. I, I don't, because if you talk to Heat fans during that 2016 year, they secretly wanted Gordon Rodriguez to do more stuff and that Wade, while he had these big shots, like he was kind of a drain on how the rest of the team played. You know, they always felt like they had to accommodate him. You talked to Bulls fans last year. Wade was a drain. They had to accommodate him. It was his style of play. And you talked to the Cavs fans this year. 
Wade's a drain. You have to accommodate his style of play. I don't know. There might be a common denominator here. I can't really figure it out. Um, here's the here's the challenge that I, I issued to all y'all is that you know the the Cavs have done this before, but this is a very different Cavaliers team. You know, or what exactly is the trust level that we would have that this is going to be a significant turnaround? Other than LeBron James, like what are and I'm actually asking this openly. Like, what are the other positive indicators that you know might this might get fixed? They're can't, is it just we've seen LeBron do this before? I, I don't. I'm curious what you guys would say. I think it will solve itself on its own accord with Isaiah Thomas coming back. I think like we but touched, their defense is what's the problem though. Why is Isaiah Thomas's return going to make a difference there? So I think LeBron has to expend a lot more energy on offense than he has in previous years because he doesn't have a secondary ball handler better than Derrick Rose, and when that happens, I think. Uh, I think LeBron will have more energy for defense. I think the team will have more energy for defense because Isaiah Thomas can run the show, and uh, I think it'll have a a trickle-down effect. But uh, we don't know when that's going to be, so they got to figure something out. Yeah, and I wonder, too, like, the supporting cast is old. Like, even the J.R. Smith is in his 30s now. Corver's older. You know, these these are guys who need to slow roll into a season with roles that can be sustained by whatever LeBron can just basically decide for them. And when you're asking, you know, <laughs> look, there is no Richard Jefferson anymore, but Richard Jefferson mattered in, in in his own little way for this team. And I feel like a Jameer Nelson would have been an interesting older player to have added to this team, but they didn't. And so now you look at it and you're like, well, there's not much spacing, and that makes more physical bodies around LeBron on a play-to-play basis. That also cuts down one of his best strengths, which is the ability to see passing lanes. Um, and so all the little things that have been tinkered with you know, from the player personnel have kind of been things you would think would be a net negative to the skill set LeBron brings to the table. The defensive part, though, is just crazy because when, when they decided they were going to play a lot of extensively very small lineups, that puts an extra burden on LeBron to bang and rebound. To grab and go. Well, I'll put a lot on Jay Crowder when you sure. I mean, I feel put, like Jay Crowder in on the first couple games was just like, you know, oh, we're gonna make him do all the cleanup stuff on both of them. <laughs> like, like, he he not just big. was like, <laughs> yeah. I, the one, the one. I don't know if it's a positive or negative that there's so many new players. I mean, like you said, it's not just that they have new players; it's that they have pl- old players doing new things. Yes, yes. And and now the last point I'll make too, and I don't want to. We got to get to all the other trends happening right now. But look. As a basketball fan watching these games, looking at what teams I think are scary, without Kyrie Irving, and scary being that this is Halloween. See how we did that, oh, Mike? Wow, wow. Okay. Well, do, well but done. Here's what's kind of spooky how you yeah, thought about have, that one on um, the fly. Yeah, we also have, there you go, uh, a request from TM Morning to call this the Limited Upside Down podcast. That's a Stranger Things reference. Everyone go check out Stranger Things on Netflix. Um, is, is that they're not a... Um, they're not as scary without without Kyrie. That's he is true. a fear factor player. He makes people have to realize, like defend out to the perimeter, defend every moment he has the ball. He could score on you. And that's a, that's a big difference, just from the perspective of what a team is looking at when they're going to a game plan, saying how are we going to beat the Cavs today. Not having to guard Kyrie is a huge advantage. It's also like it's something that doesn't quite show up in like the numbers because Kyrie's one of those players that like he has those. You don't really need him or want him in some ways for like most of the game, but those three minute stretches when you kind of yep. are in trouble, like Kyrie Irving can kind of bail you out. Like game seven of the NBA Finals. <laughs> yep. <laughs> game four of the playoff. I mean, you remember they were almost yeah. down two. They almost went down two two in that series. So yeah, I think that's a that's a big factor. So here's my question, to all y'all. Um, what would you get? You have to pick one object to to throw in the pot to gamble on, and like 
pick a like a side to gamble on that. So like I this way you measure like the confidence that the Cavs will either continue to be trash or turn it around based on an object you're throwing in. Yeah. For what in it essence, is. the more valuable the thing is, the more confidence you have in them turning it around. Right. So what would you, Alex? What would you throw in to gamble on the Cavs doing um, something? I would gamble. Um, that's a great question. That Joe Staley I, signed photo you have? Oh, no, that that's like that's for like oh the Warriors are going to be fine. That's what he's <laughs> throwing that one in there for. I, I, I would gamble uh, uh, nothing more than an old rickety five dollar bill on their ability for an immediate turnaround. Wow. Oh, that's not very confident. Not very not confident. confident because, and the thing that's even most confusing to me is that this the Cavs were a team that consistently won like sixty games in LeBron's first stint, where his best teammate was literally Mo Williams. And and so now he has a better supporting cast, but I, I it's confusing. I don't know. Well, they have a worse LeBron, I think. Yeah, that's, that's, that's LeBron is an older gentleman now than he yeah. was then. That's true. What, right. do, what do you think, Tim? I mean, I will I will gamble. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I guess the stakes of what what we're gambling matters here too. I mean, I'll, I'll gamble my car that they make the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> okay. There you go. It's a nice that's car. Fair. It's a Toyota Corolla. It's a it's a, it's a nice car. Oh, what the year? Other thing, what year? Uh, 2016. Ooh. Oh, it's a new car. Fun, 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 fun fact though. Fun fact. Um, you, I never would have. And this, this is very brief, but uh, it doesn't have cruise control. I never would have thought to even look to see whether a 2016 has or has not doesn't have the cruise control feature. Right. It doesn't have it. That's it's so a 2016. Weird. It's the strangest thing. I've, for like three months, I thought I just couldn't find it. That it was like somehow hidden in the system. Mm. It doesn't have cruise control. That's so, shocking. And, uh, and just like the uh, yeah. Cavaliers. I think the Cavaliers stole the cruise control from your Toyota. That's I. That was no, no. That was I. I like the attempt, but that that, that one didn't land. Prater so hurt his back reaching but, for that one. <laughs> <laughs> right. The one last thing I'll say about the Cavs is I do think I do think Jr. Like Jr. Smith will shoot better. I think Jay Crowder can shoot a lot better too. I, I think that especially with Jr. When when he's engaged on offense, he's more engaged on defense. So. Um, I, I do think that there are some other players that will kind of work themselves out and, and be who we think they will be um, as as time goes on. OK, I will I will gamble um, the George Mirasan picture above my desk at home on the Cavs being below 500 on January 1st and then trading the Nets pick for some. Meaning you do not. Wait, how much do you, you actually love that mirror sun? It's a nice. It's a nice thing. I would hate to lose it. I, I wouldn't say it's like the most valuable thing in my house. People don't really know this too. Not everyone does. That was Mike's favorite player. Yeah. Um, so like I, a the, reasonable the, amount of confidence, bullets, but not sorry. like uh, if I lose it, like I'll get on with my life. Okay. That if, they if, will be below five hundred by January first and dangle the Nets pick to acquire someone to help them. If if we're talking longer term, I would bet my beloved Danny Forts in Jersey that they will make the Eastern Conference Finals. Okay. All my right. God. Yeah, I, I don't I don't have anything of value. So uh <laughs> not nothing of value. <laughs> I rent my apartment, life. I sold my car, uh I, my wife. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> that don't make the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, Jenna doesn't listen to this anyhow. All right. So uh, let's, let's, move, let's move on um, to other team trends. I want to start with a team who I have gone on the record here and bashed uh, plenty of times over the last couple of years. It's not the Pacers. We'll get to them. It's Orlando. Orlando seems to be the perennial team stuck uh, you know, at the bottom middle. Well, right now they're pretty close to the top. Um, 
of the Eastern Conference, but like they're actually playing well. It's not like they had some back to back schedule wins or anything like that. They've you know they they handled the Spurs. They they beat uh, Cleveland, so they they've played a crushed New Orleans last crushed, night. Crushed New Orleans last night too. That's right. Um, and so a, a bunch of things here. We got a couple questions, um, basically saying, are these trends that can continue for Orlando? One of those uh, by let's see, GOF Victory. Thanks for the question. Here was Magic's three point shooting. Uh, and then the opposition's three-point shooting against them, some of the, the craziest skews in the league right now, feels like a little bit of an unsustainable thing. But, Mike, is there something I'm missing here that's more about how they're defending it and how they're spacing? I think it's mostly noise. But, I mean, the the interesting thing about what they're doing, uh, and so just to put, again, some numbers on it uh, as I dig this up, they are shooting right now 44% on threes. That will not continue. But the number that is significant, I think, uh, is that they're taking 29 a game. And and the thing about threes, and, and anyone who is, studies basketball analytics knows this because it's a sort of a core concept, is that your percentage can kind of come and go and fluctuate. The key is if you're getting a lot off, that means you're creating good shots right. generally. Like if you, if you have bad spacing, you're not going to create a lot of three-point attempts. So the fact that they're able to get that many off I think is fairly significant. Last year, by comparison, they took 26.1. Uh, and shot only 32%. So that's a substantial increase. I mean, the whole thing is that Nick Vucevic is actually shooting the ball from three-point range now. So suddenly a team that has no had no spacing last year, by the way, it helps that Alfred Payton's not on the floor, although I like Alfred Payton quite a bit. And when you don't have Jeff Green, Bismack Biombo, and Vucevic all sharing the floor together. Yeah, <laughs> that, that too. And Aaron Gordon shooting threes pretty well this yeah. year. Uh, Tim, so- what's your take on Aaron Gordon's? somewhat of a rise now to being kind of the the guy that we thought he'd be when he was like wrecking everyone at 17s for USA basketball. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll bet Evan Gordon's hairline, which is rapidly receding, that Aaron Gordon does not keep shooting uh, 59% from three. Wait, so that's That's not a very valuable bet then. Wait, whose hairline's receding? You're betting uh, Fournier's. Oh, Fournier's. Sorry, Evan Fournier's. Oh, who did I say? Sorry. You said Evan Gordon. Fournier's. It's okay. Evan, Evan Fournier's hair looks like... Evan took- Gordon is not... I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at reference and... It's okay. Names. Fournier yeah. took, looks like he uh, took like four patches of sod and then just like took some kid's paste <laughs> and put it on his head. I can make that joke. I'm a ball guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, so how much is Ben Epstein's hairline worth? <laughs> hey, that's, that's a monetary uh, value that I'm going to keep to myself. But Tim, go, go for it here um, on Aaron Gordon. Sorry for the derailment there. No, yeah. I mean, he, he really looks like, um, like everything that we thought he could be. Um, you know, his, his three-point shooting will fade at some point. He's not going to shoot 59% for a season. Uh, but, he, but he looks confident. The stroke looks good. Um, and, and just the ability to hit threes, which he's clearly proven, is, is you know, a huge boon to the rest of what he does uh, around the court. You know, he looks um, – I, I, like, I like even that he's, he's making a few plays off the dribble. And, you know, I, I, just, I just think I'm, I'm very, high, very high on Gordon. Um, you know, mini, mini Blake um, is, is accurate in the, in the sense that he – I mean, he almost looks like actual Blake Griffin right now um, through the through he the first five games. Numbers. Just twenty, average uh, twenty. Slightly, I mean, twenty-one nine rebounds and two and a half assists while shooting fifty-nine percent from three. More versatile defensively. Griffin Griffin's scoring more. Griffin's if if Griffin hadn't also started that hot, then yeah, I could I could probably agree with that. I mean, like, but, I'll um, say this: like I watched the fourth quarter of the Nets Orlando game about a week and a half ago. Which, in its own right, 
is insane for me to say out loud, right? No, no one in the NBA world coming into the season was like, God, I got to catch that fourth quarter. I watched quarter. both of those games yeah. start to finish, by the way. Really good. And that was a really good fourth quarter. And Aaron Gordon had like a two for, a two for play in the end, where one play he wasn't uh, checked out, crashed the boards with a monstrous dunk. That's the athleticism, the idea that you have to always be aware of this dude because he's so athletic around the rim. And then the next part was catching a three with a man in his face and nailing it from a nice release. It looks like a lot more comfortable of a stroke this year. So you kind of see like the maturation and advancement in his game. Um, the thing I, you know, I really I think which separating this team right now. And, and Mike, I know you've been a little bit anti Vucevic over the years because he doesn't play much defense. But with a three point shot now, you know, appended to his game, what kind of player is Vucevic in this league? It's like what we've always wanted, and. I think that's making the huge, the biggest difference so far is that he's actually no longer he realizes that he need to adapt. Mm-hmm. He had as a nice stroke out to Always. 17 18 feet. You know, it it's sort of weird how all these players shoot mid-range jumpers and they come back with the 3. I wonder what the psychology of that is, but I think he's he's shooting bombing away four and a half threes a game. Uh, right now at 41%, I don't think that will continue. But the whole thing is that that changes everything because now the lane is open for Aaron Gordon to do his thing. And they're also starting Ross and uh, Fournier together and that those guys can now catch and drive. I mean, you, lock, you looked at it in a lot of these games, like now you're starting to see centers come out on Vucevic and that opens up the paint. So that helps the way their offense significantly. I also think a big key has been that their bench has improved, and this is something that our Magic folks were trying to tell us before the season started. You know, Jonathan Simmons has kind of come in and been a nice sixth man. They're playing him at the end of games at point guard. They're kind of going without a point guard, which oh, I think... Yeah, well, he stinks. Um, still stinks. Yes, yeah, he stinks. So they're playing that at the end of the game. Uh, and then, so with all that space, you can understand why their offense is doing better. I think their defensive success to the degree that they have it is I think less sustainable I'd, as long as they have they start those two little wings and Vucevic is still a train wreck on that end I don't think that they'll, I think their teams have been unlucky in, with shooting on them yep. this year and I don't think they'll continue to shoot that well but look it, it makes a huge difference when suddenly now instead of having what one and a half players who shoot the ball I mean remember how they started last year with Aaron Gordon at the three Serge Ibaka in his slow release at the four, Vucevic not shooting threes at the five, and Peyton, who didn't shoot at all. They can now run out lineups. I mean, with Gordon's improvement and you know Vucevic bombing away, and now they have Terrence Ross playing, and now they have Augustine when he starts, who I, I'm not as big as fan. They, have, they can play five shooters at once. I mean, now the paint's wide open. I think it's actually quite simple what's going on with them. I love the Augustine grudge. That's a quintessential prey-to-player grudge. He's not a good basketball player. Yeah. He's too small. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, he'd fit well on the Mavs where he'd be like their third tallest player. Um, let's see. It's, sorry, Tim. Um, so let's put a ball on okay, this. Okay, I'm used to it. <laughs> hey, Sixers and Mavs had an entertaining game the other day. Are um, you, wait, you're used to uh, people making jokes about how your favorite team has short players? I mean, they, they, they literally played Berea, Farrell, and Dennis no, no, Jr. No, no, together. No, I, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just think, I think it's interesting that Tim is used to short Oh, your favorite team has a lot of short players, Tom. No, it's not. A, it's not a <laughs> traditional knock, but happens more than you think. Like, okay. come on now. So, Alex, put a ball on this. Uh, the Magic, good. Uh, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to come back down to earth a little bit. They're certainly improved and promising, but uh, I think they're a year away from making a more significant jump. All right. 
All right. And we didn't even mention their first round draft pick this year who's played. I guess he's been a little banged up, right? No, Isaac has played. He's okay. Fine. Isaac's played? Yeah, okay. I, I mean, I have not watched uh, him he play has that been, much. I guess he has missed a couple of the yeah. last few games. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Other teams we need to talk about. Uh, Tim, the Pistons have off, are off to a pretty interesting start uh, with a few. Great wins. Obviously, they lost at home in front of 16 people to the Sixers. Uh, but they did you go had, on the... You had to throw that in there. 17 people? Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah but they did. They, um, they just beat the Clippers and Warriors yes, in back-to-back well, nights what I'm on trying the road. To get like, why so, are we talking about the Sixers? We're not. Hey, Mike, we're just going over the Pistons' uh, successes and uh, failures early this season. But it would appear that the Pistons are, are kind of good, and they're getting contributions from players who they expected, but different types of contributions, like Andre Drummond's free throw shooting and Reggie Jackson being a consistent point guard right now. Um, and among other things, Tobias Harris be sort of taking steps to become a, a significantly better player. Um, Tim, what are we to make of the Pistons? I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a lot lower than, on them than, than like the Magic. Um, really? If, if we're to take, the, we're to take the, two, the two surprise teams, yeah. I don't know. I just... I, I'm uh, I'm I'm iffy on, you know I, I like I like Tobias Harris I, I I don't know if I like him as as lead scorer um who's gonna shoot fifty percent from the field, um you know I I, I do not buy Andre Drummond's for their shooting although you know you know for his sake I'd love if he kept that up but uh I don't know what why why should I be optimistic about them because right now I'm I'm willing to bet um this this 2007 2018 uh Oklahoma City Thunder media pass for preseason game number one. Well, AKA, it is it is it is worthless at this point. <laughs> I'm willing to bet that that they will uh, not make the playoffs or or so will make have... the playoffs. <laughs> what, what, are you doing, what are you betting? <laughs> do you, do you think the Pistons it's, are going to be a playoff team? Because I think they're going to be a playoff team. I, I think I do as well. Yeah. I think I think in the early days of the Reggie Jackson Andre Drummond pick and roll, they had something really good cooking there, and then uh, kind of fell apart last year with injuries and all that. But they they got it rolling around, and I think Stan Van Gundy is one of the five best coaches in the league. I think they'll make the playoffs. Whoa. I think they'll make the playoffs for sure. I mean, here's what I like about them, right? I, first of all, I love the way Tobias Harris is playing on both ends of the floor. Um, I love the the umph he has when he attacks the basket. I love the way he's moving his feet. Uh, he seems really motivated. I'm really impressed by that. I think Drummond has played relatively well. I mean, he hasn't played great in every game. He had that moment against the Wizards where he fouled out in like two, in like three fouls in the fourth quarter. But I think in general, I like what I've seen from him. It helps so much, and I'm not the biggest Reggie Jackson fan, but it helps so much to not have him dragging yeah. one leg as he comes off these pick and rolls because now you can kind of see how devastating that two-man game is. And I think Avery Bradley's helped them out quite a bit. Yep. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Avery Bradley's game, but I think he's – added something i like the way they play really hard they're they're coming really crisply off screens i think they started to kind of get into a malaise last year and i really like that they're doing all those things um and i think langston galloway has helped them off the bench i think now with jackson playing better you can push ish smith back into the role that he really is designed to play Anthony Tolliver is giving them good minutes. That's one of those dudes I always liked. Mm -hmm. Tolliver, just everywhere he goes, they do good things. So I'm actually a little more optimistic about them. I don't think that they're winning just because they're hitting a lot of shots. I think they are a tricky team to trickier team to play against. I think they are playing hard. I, I can see them. Their defense hasn't been amazing, but I think that that will rise. I don't know if their offense will continue to be this good. Uh, so I, I like what I see from them. You know, I, I think we're looking now, at the very least, they look exactly as good as they did a couple years ago. Um, they won like 44 games. And, year. you know, if they do that again, what seed does that make you? It makes you like a 
Five, six, 44 two. in the East, 5-6, yeah. You know, so I, I like the way they're playing quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, the triple, the beating the Timberwolves, Clippers, and Warriors in a row, that many teams will be able to do that this season. Well, Timberwolves didn't have Andrew Wiggins, but That's yeah. true. That's okay. Or not Wiggins, Butler. Butler. Excuse Butler me. was sick that game, right? And Wiggins played poor, very poorly in that game. Um, but they did put a buck 22 up on them, and we'll talk about Minnesota's defense uh, later on uh, in this podcast as another trend. But, yeah, I think uh, I don't know about the sustainability of Drummond's free throw, but I love that he focused on it. He changed it. He is he looks way more comfortable up there. So what do you do exactly? Is Did he do the visualization thing or the meditation thing? I, I, I feel like I'm not really following exactly what – I know he's shooting the ball better, but he definitely did something, right? It would uh, appear I, that he actually has a stroke now. It's not a push. It, it's an actual stroke with some back, you know, backspin and uh, and a focus to it, where it's muscle memory that isn't just based upon being a strong big guy. It's an actual shot. Um, I have a working theory too, by the way, that if he scores a layup within the first three minutes of the game, he plays the rest of the game so much better. Yeah. And when he doesn't, he I think it makes a huge difference. Yeah. You know, yeah. the Clippers game, he had a he had this one move where he. He made this great move around DeAndre Jordan and finish, and that the rest of the first half he was really locked in. Yeah, and I was really impressed. Twenty-four years old. It's not an old guy. He can learn new tricks, and, and it appears that a free throw, which is probably the most quintessential thing he was missing, um, is showing up. So, Pistons are an interesting team, and we'll, we'll obviously you know continue to follow them throughout the year here. But the Pacers are another team that I've uh, been. See, this is a team I am not willing to bet very much. Yeah, on. I, I wouldn't bet be much good. on them either. But I will say that I've been wrong about Oladipo so far. He's been really good. Um, Sabonis has been, Terrific. I guess, the forgotten guy in that Terrific. trade, and he's been really good in Turner's absence. We'll see how they play together. I think it could make sense, actually. I think they're both skilled enough and good enough passers that that could work. I'm a little more skeptical. So what would you bet then on them and Oladipo in them? Because I know you are not the biggest Victor Oladipo nah, I, fan. I mean, this is my company computer, I would, uh, which I can get another one of. I would say this computer right here. I would, I would say that they're not going to make the playoffs. Um, but I also think that they're going to be better than I thought. So, like, somewhere in, in the middle between my expectations, which were that the Pacers would be, like, one of the three worst teams in the East and the eight seed. That's where they're going to fall. I think their ceiling is 30 wins. Wow, 30. That okay, look. yeah, that's about right, yeah. All right, so that's what I thought that they'd be. But 29 and a half, I think, was what Vegas had them at. So, so you're uh, saying that the, their start does not make any difference whatsoever on you? Yeah, I'm not I'm not buying anything what they're selling. Tim, you buying any of it? They're only three and three too. I mean, I've I, I, they've started better, maybe in in some ways by by beating a team like the Spurs. But I mean, it's not like it's not like they're five and two. Um, yeah, no, I'm 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 not really buying this. Yeah, they beat the Nets, Spurs, and Timberwolves. They put up a buck thirty on Timberwolves. Reoccurring theme here. <laughs> <laughs> so, how much are you buying that? Like, because Tim, you you've been in Oklahoma City a lot, uh, and with the way Oladipo and Sabonis are playing, are you how much? How much are you buying that maybe the whole Russell Westbrook triple-double chase was like really detrimental to those guys' development? Maybe not detrimental, but but certainly I think that Westbrook, you know, kind of had a one-track mind in, in improving his teammates wasn't necessarily one of them. Um, nice and they weren't good. They, they You know, they, they, we all know about the, the splits, you know, whenever Westbrook went off the court. You know, his teams were atrocious. And if if I recall right, you know, there wasn't enough time kind of spent with the Thunder's best players minus Westbrook, uh, just by the way those rotations were staggered. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I do think that he could have built up a, a teammate like Oladipo maybe a little bit more um, and, and instead just felt like, you know, he was he was kind of, kind of given the reins to to have a season like he did. And 
um you know we all we all saw saw how it ended um but i i, I do think that i i i, I, I don't want to i don't want to fault westbrook for it but I, I do think that you know maybe this is a better environment for for both these guys where they don't have that you know kind of lingering and hanging over them I would say in Oladipo's case, I think his struggles were more due to he had uh, some injuries to begin the year and uh, more so, I think, was on him. I do think in Sabonis's case, though, I mean, Westbrook lost confidence in him real fast. It's amazing. This is why I'm not – this is why I'm, like, not really buying them. I guess I would bet uh, the water bottle in front of me so not much at all that they continue to be 500. Uh which they won't be. So I have no – I can just get Ol- another water Oladipo's bottle. Oladipo's three-point shooting – Oladipo's three-point shooting has to come down. He's taking yeah. he's he's taking way more pull-up in in un- unassisted threes, and he's hitting them like you know 15 points better than he did in Oklahoma City. Yeah, which, like the the big three he hit against the Spurs was an ugly <laughs> shot. It was like an Ephus pitch. He almost yeah. rolled his ankle. Yeah, exactly. He almost rolled his ankle jumping because he planted his feet so awkwardly. But he yeah, anyhow, great shot. Good for Oladipo so far. I'm happy for our uh, our friends of the the podcast here who are Pacers I will, fans. And I will bet one thing. Yeah. I will bet uh, any of the microphones in this room. Sorry, <laughs> y'all. That Victor will hit another like sort of game clinching shot, and there will be a graphic on the e- a- Indiana Pacers Fox Sports uh, whatever that shows game winners Victor Oladipo to Paul <laughs> George zero. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's already one nothing. He's already a thousand percent better at being clutch. Uh, so, so that's good. Infinitely, yeah. Infin- I, I infinitely, believe actually yes. mathematically. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Infinitely. Um, all right. There's a few other trends we don't have all of the time in the world, and I want to get to player trends. So and also mm, some interesting league trends. Yeah, yeah. Then you're the host, man. You pick the ones you tough. want. All right. Let's do quick player trend, which is Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, and we'll do one other. Well, I'll get to him in a second. Uh, but Kristaps uh, right now is playing at an all-world level, carrying a really, really bad Knicks supporting cast to 3-3 three and three and, and scoring in the 30s every game except for one, um, including winning the battle of um, Balkan big men last night against Jokic. And I guess Latvia's not in the Balkans. I was going to say, Latvia's not a Balkan Son of a gun. State. <laughs> Whatever. Porzingis is forever going to be, in my opinion. No, in my my wrong geographical opinion. Um, in my opinion, Latvia was in the Yugoslavian <laughs> War. Yeah. <Ew>. Sorry. <laughs> so let's start that over. In the battle of just, you know, Eastern super European. skilled Eastern European big men, um, he won last night. And, and actually, we got to see that head-to-head because the Nuggets decided to let Jokic try to guard Porzingis, which yeah, was bizarre. a stupid move. Um, but one thing is definitely clear of Porzingis is his attitude right now. He sees himself as the best player on the court. He's playing like it. The aggression, both offensively and defensively, is impressive. The pull-up game. I mean, he, I've always said he's a guard who's seven foot two, and he thinks he's a guard who's seven foot two. And I know that because he's his favorite player growing up was Iverson, and he has. So that makes him like every big man. in No, the but he has league. crossover game. I mean, look, let's be <laughs> let's be real about it. Um, he's more comfortable on the perimeter than he is down low. And when you're seven two, sometimes that pushes you in different directions. But he's extreme, extremely dangerous right now, the way that he is crashing the, the glass, but at the same time being able to pull up 26 feet um, effortlessly. So one of the things I really like that isn't just the X's nose here is that confidence that I think he got from being one of the best players in the FIBA tournament this summer, too, um, which is interesting. But, Mike, what are you seeing from Perzingis right now that you might say, well, hell, I thought he was a good player, but maybe he has taken another step? Well, he's actually posting up a little more he's not shying away as much from contact which i like he's getting more touches which i like I'm not crazy sure. usage rate too right now 
but that goes yeah, without saying. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, he's been really good. I, I would sell on him keeping up this pace. I, I'm i trying to think of, like, what I would bet the uh, camera, Canon camera that is in our podcast room. I don't get any of the value system we're using right now and what this, <laughs> any of this means. All right. But, yeah. uh, just I would go. bet Just that that he will cool off fairly considerably in the next few weeks. Okay. Well, here's here's the problem. He's better, like you said, offensively he's better on the perimeter than down low. Defensively, he's better as a rim protector than scurrying around the perimeter. And between Cantor, O'Quinn, Hernan Gomez, and when he comes back, uh, Noah, there's just not going to be any minutes for him at center. And so uh, they can't unleash and maximize his potential. Um, once they unload a couple of those two, I think we'll uh, we'll see him take off a little more. Okay. All right. Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to touch on Porzingis. Uh, we already talked about Oladipo a little bit. Um, we should probably mention that Otto Porter has been one of the better players oh, I'm in, buying that. in the NBA no. so far this I, year. He is going to continue to hit every shot. <laughs> I'm betting my mortgage on the house. Wait, that will the, continue. Yeah, you know what Otto gives you on defense, but uh, now no, he's... Not very much. Well, now he's, he's taken this offensive game, so uh, there's a few of these charts that we've been looking at here where it's like Otto's in his own little region of both offense and defense, but... Um, Hey, he's really good. Yeah. He's a good player. Right. I don't know why anyone was uh, bashing him. Uh, here's There is one I wanted to get to because this, is I think, is really interesting and not what I expected. TM Warning sent us this thing about the Celtics are the number one team in defense right now. Number four in offensive rating. Interesting. Yeah, and that's despite... Our number four in rebound rate, which rebound, is like supposed yeah. to be their huge weakness. Yeah, I, I think one of the reasons why people were a little down on the Celtics being able to crash boards and all that stuff was but like Bradley was a big part of the rebounding last year, and he's a guard. So that should have been a weird little vacuum in its own right. But I think that what people underestimated and was pretty apparent even after the first game was that Brown and Tatum can play a little bigger. They can play super aggressively, uh, interchangeably as well. And Horford's been really, really good this year. Horford's been one of the best players in the NBA this season, defensively and offensively, and he works exceptionally well with Kyrie Irving. Um, And I think there's something to be said for just how the little two-man games um, that the Celtics are able to play on offense have been able to kind of buoy them for the offensive rating. The defensive uh, side and the rebounding, I think, is really in part due due to Horford's leadership there. uh, What are we betting that they will continue to be a uh, top—Tim, what are you betting that they'll continue to be a top-five defensive unit this year? Uh, I mean, top five. Yeah, they they can they can stay up there. I'll bet these these headphones I'm wearing. Where did you get you know, those solid, headphones? Solid, solid, well-made Bose pair of headphones. Oh, oh, the good headphones. Yeah, yeah, good headphones. Can I ask what the monetary value of that is? Yeah, they're like two hundred. Oh, okay, that's a significant bet. That the top five is really high. I don't know. There's it not is. there's not many yeah. more than five good defensive teams though. Yeah, that's that's really what I'm thinking. It's just like it's not if if they've proven they they can be this good. I, I just don't know who is necessarily passing them. I do I do think they'll fall off some, but they have some margin of error here. Yeah, we're talking about a league where the Blazers are the seventh best defensive team so far. Oh, that's a trend you said you were not selling. Hey Ben, over yeah. under Jason Tatum finished finishing rookie of the year voting 1.5 so either he wins yeah he'll be two he'll, he'll be or, sorry maybe let's do 2.5 oh, okay. 2.5 he I, wins i think he'll be the second in rookie of the year voting um partially because he'll be on the best team of any of the rookies record wise which is important um well, it sure mattered a lot for jalen brown last year what he, he won rookie of the year no i know much no but tatum he barely played, and Tatum was cast into a role now, which was through no fault of his own, you know, through the horrible Hayward injury. But like 
his projection went from like I'm going to get my kicks, I'm going to learn how to play with different you know units here to I am an essential part of the starting five on a on a team who's still had aspirations to win the Eastern Conference now. Um, you know, look, I think Simmons is going to win the Rookie of the Year potentially unanimously. Um, we'll see how that ends up you know, down the road. But I think Tatum's been, been way better than I thought he'd be. I thought he was a really good offensive player in college at Duke. I also think that some of the shine that he had at Duke was similar to like Okafor, where like, yeah, here's the ball, go score, and like you get to see what a guy can do, but you don't get to see the the full body of his game. And and Stevens has already done a great job of kind of taking on that sophomore year of college meets the NBA rookie season role, which he's he's learning as he goes, but he's still being taught. It's not just like thrown into the fire and learn how to drive on the highway. He's he's still getting, you know. He's still getting the the right amount of coaching, um, you know, from from Stevens on his actual game. But thrown into the fire, learning how to drive on the highway. Yeah, see, I used two analogies. I've in never one. heard those phrases together. Yeah, well, that's. Before. I'm at a level now, Mike, where my analogies are so seamless that I can put two together, and it made sense. It made <laughs> I've sense. Never heard interesting. Uh, okay. I love that Brad Stevens is making sure that he isn't asked to be an isolation player because, you know, that was that was a big thing coming out that he could be this type of player. We saw in summer league he was he was constantly taking these these tough mid rangers and making a, a good portion of them. Um, but but they're easing him to him into that. I want to say it's like 10 or 15 percent of his offense is coming through isolation, which is, you know, you know, give him give him touches here and there. He can bail out a possession if if, if that's what you have to do. But but make sure for the most part that that he's being slowly acclimated and into the offense as a cutter and in a spot up shooter and you know sometimes even in, in pick and rolls and things like that. Yeah, and he's been better at driving than than I thought he'd be and and he's very aggressive at challenging people at the rim. So there are a lot of parts of Tatum's game I like. I mean, obviously one of the other trends that we were going to kind of talk about is is Lonzo Ball's awful shooting, which, you know, is is not something that Tatum is experiencing. Tatum's having the most offensive success um, again, aside from Simmons, uh, of any of these guys, and, and I'll take Simmons out of this equation because he did have the red shirt year, and last year all these other guys were playing college ball. So, you know, Tatum looks more advanced than I think people realized, and he seems to have the right mentality here. I'll say this um, to Lonzo Ball's awful shooting, and I want to get Alex's take on this. Because you gave me a stat. He's had, what, more games where he's... He's only yeah. had one game this year out of six, I believe, where he's made more than 30% of his shots or had as many points as shots. Okay. Yeah. Breaking it's news, just rookie who has weird shooting motion and not yeah. known for scoring is bad at scoring efficiently, more at 11. Yeah. What is the big deal here? There's bad, and then there's what Lonzo's been doing. This, is, this isn't just typical bad. This is historical bad. I'm gonna I'm gonna allow us to stop on that for Alonzo. We'll keep we'll keep him. Oh sick. wait, I did want to ask one thing. I did want to ask uh, how many more point guards are going to reference that Levar Ball motivated them in some capacity? How many more games are left? So there's seventy. What? How many of the games the Lakers played? Uh, I believe six. So we've already had Patrick Beverly, mm-hmm. and we've already had John Wall in the negative. I would say. <laughs> yeah, um, did not work that well. So how many? So if there are like 75 more games left for the Lakers this year, um, how many of those 75 games will the opposing point guard reference that they or either respond to LeVar Ball uh, over under 15, Tim? Ooh. I'll say under. Does the same player? For his own sake. I think think this narrative is going to die off a little bit. What's what's the addendum you're asking, Alex? Does the if the same player does it multiple times, does that count as? One <laughs> I would say three? yes. Because oh, yes. Pat Beverly okay, alone will hit fifteen. <laughs> they only play four no, times. No, I mean, no, like Beverly, 
Beverly's going to say this every time. I don't think. Wait, but the, wouldn't that wouldn't it be more likely or le- less likely that they would bring this storyline back up again? If he already did, depends if it's a Beverly TNT does game. what he wants. Yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to say under 15. I think uh, Surratt, Zoe, in her first column for SPNation.com said it well. Like at a certain point, like. We're in the middle of the season, and like Drew Holiday and Jeff Teague are not going to be like, oh, I got to show up that LeVar dude. They're just going to be like, oh, this is the third game in four nights. Like, I'm just (laughs) pretty stoked into LA. Yeah, pretty stoked to be in LA and playing against a point guard who plays no defense. Um, Okay, so it depends on whether LeVar keeps keeps talking. Oh, he will keep talking. That, yeah, yeah that um, I can confirm will continue to I, happen. I, my five-second defense for Lonzo is that he, I think he has less shooting in the Lakers starting lineup than he had at UCLA. So, <laughs> so they're starting KCP, who's not a great shooter. Ingram, Ingram, who's not a great three-point shooter. Nance. Larry Nance, who's not a yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I guess you're right. Lopez <laughs> is the other best shooter there. <laughs> it's it's a very of... bad environment for him right now. Um, they got to they got to put a shooter in there, another creator. In well, there. that's up to Walt. I mean, Walton's got to understand that you know what the success metrics are needed to put around a guy like ball but um success metrics jesus you are such a this is like running a meeting at success metrics he's a 76ers fan mike (laughs) (laughs) i'm proud of it finally uh let's see we got what kind of deliverables does alonzo (laughs) (laughs) all right can we do it jargon can we do we want to talk about simmons can we just get this out of the way sure we'll we'll talk about ben simmons now a little bit um I think he is the most important player on the Sixers right now and not Joel Embiid. And I think that he has an outside chance of being an all-star this year. And I'm not even saying that to just get Mike riled up, but he he plays with um, a sensibility on the court, a pace and an understanding of the flow of the game that is very rare in this league right now for the rest of the point guards, let alone for someone who's you know 21 years old and um, playing in his like you know seventh game in the NBA uh, last night or sixth game in the NBA last night, and the Sixers, and this is important too, have only played good teams this year. Aside from the Mavericks, they've played Toronto, Houston twice, which is ridiculous to start off with that as two of your first Both six games. Both without Chris Paul, so let's let's relax. Sure, without Chris Paul, <laughs> but with the same basic team that won fifty nine games last year, whatever it was, um, and and Eric Gordon, who's playing out of his mind right now, like the guy who Indiana you know, recruited back in the day. Um, and one of the things you see with Simmons though is like people, and I know Mike, you were one of them. Were like, well, his his offensive game, he doesn't have a shot. How's he? He can score 20 without having a shot, and he's starting to hit a few jumpers. And the better thing is he's learning how to play off of um, attacking the basket from both sides. This is where it's nice that he does not know what hand he is, which is that he goes both ways. Oh, and I think you he knows what hand he is. I just think it's not the hand that he shoots with. Sure, but the point is he goes to both directions. So it's it's really difficult to stop a guy when he can go up on either side. And the other part is he'll just go dunk on you. So it doesn't matter what hand you are when you could two-hand dunk on someone in transition. Trevor Reza found out last night. He can dunk on you in transition. All right, so here's my question. Yeah. What, um, what are you betting that he makes the all-star team? Well, I think there's a bias against rookies for that. So I don't think he'll make the all-star team. So I would say these shoes that I have a hole in the bottom, which what I'm going to wear to a meeting today. These are circus. They're uh, skateboarding shoes. They're just comfortable. Um, oh, you do have a big hole. In yeah, those. yeah. It's, it's fashionable. Like right by the heel. It's fashion, Mike. So you're... Uh, it's wow. hobo chic, I think okay. they call that. Um, <laughs> right. uh, but the point is, like, I don't know if he will make it, but he's playing right now at a level where, like, 
very few guys in this league do cumulatively what he does. And the part that I didn't mention yet is he's been one of the most versatile defenders in the NBA so far. Yeah, his defense has been good. Okay, that's the Ben Simmons part. So that's the Ben Simmons part. We'll follow up later uh, in the year on Simmons. Other league trends I want to talk about. Alex, this is for you. Uh, That Boogie Brow thing, they seem to be playing really well together. And that that strikes me as something that won't be sustainable because when they have Rondo— when they trot out lineups with potentially Rondo, Tony Allen, Josh Smith with two centers, it's it's taking basketball back to the 1970s, and that that won't fly in today's NBA. Oh, I'm buying this. I think this will continue. The you think they're a playoff playing. team? I, I don't think they're going to be good. I think those two are going to oh, continue okay. to be awesome. That's fair. I, I think just I just two... think the team will come crashing down to earth. I I love so one of the I think the more underrated moves that we didn't talk about this summer, and I think it's. I, I, Nate Duncan was talking about this on his show, and I thought it was it was something I didn't think about. Is that you look at New Orleans's creativity in getting those two guys to work, and then you consider Denver's sludgeness with their offense so far. New Orleans hired Denver's like offensive guru Chris Finch as their assistant coach, and you're seeing I think big differences in the way that. Boogie and Brower. I mean, I, one of the things I love is when they're running that the four or five pick and roll, and Boogie is they're grabbing and going, and they're spacing out really well. I think the spacing, all things considering, with those two has been pretty good. They're using them not quite like big guys traditionally. They're doing some, I think, really interesting things that is working, and I think it's made both of them a lot better. It's been fun because let, yeah, let's they're, also they're basically know, guards. Yeah, Anthony Davis was a guard in high school. Boogie is one of the better ball handling bigs in the league, and so that that pick and roll is beautiful to watch. I, I don't know about beautiful because I don't know. It's Cousins better, is better like, than be- you'd expect. <laughs> it's, Cousins is sort of like one of those like there's something weird about watching because beautiful is not the word I would describe Demarcus Cousins' game as. I, it's something a little bit different. There's some Sur- sort of surprisingly like surprisingly effective. There's some sort of like visceral raw power to it. Like I don't know exactly how to describe it, but I don't know about beautiful. But it is effective, and yeah. I don't know boogie right now is. I've never been as big as fan as you guys all know, but I am really impressed with how they both look. And I think, I don't know if, again, I don't know if the Pelicans are going to be very good this year. I do think those two will continue to play really well. And I think that's really, I, our, again, our Pelicans people are saying, yeah, we're not worried about those two playing well. And I was like, are really? Are you sure? It looks like they might have been right on that one. I don't know. Tim, do you think this is a trend that will continue? Yeah, I'm, I'm in on the Pelicans. Um, here I'll, I'll I'll share this. I was uh I was in a I was in a NBA locker room uh recently uh and right right when they were signing Josh Smith and I I did enjoy this quote uh from an unnamed player on an unnamed team uh the, the and he he said something like uh the, the Pelicans got Rondo Cousins Tony Allen and now they're signing Josh Smith he's going to be the sanest one of the bunch <laughs> which is which is amusing and and you know pretty true. But at the same time, you know, this this really is seeming to work. And, you know, I, I had my doubts, but but I do think that, you know, just the way the offense is moving, like it's it's so much more creative than anything I've seen. I, you know, I saw from uh, Alvin Gentry the past few years. Like, I, I think it's really important to to take Davis and to take Cousins and say, yeah, let's just use you like guards. Let's let's put you on the perimeter. Let's let's run pick and rolls using using the two of you, things like this. Um, I think I think that's a must. And that's that's what's going to make. It's so that, um, you know, this this modern, you know, the mo- modern NBA is going away from big men. But what if you can use big men as guards and, and the way that a lot of these teams are are instead putting guards into the big man position? There's 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 ways this can work. And so far, I, I think I'm seeing those ways from the Pelicans. So, yeah, 
I'm in on them. I will bet. Um, I don't have anything valuable in this room, but uh, well, you can bet fake things. Yeah, that's do you, true. Do you, have like a, a, uh, do you have like a like a checking <laughs> account or something? <laughs> that's not fake at all. No. <laughs> Wait, I. Oh. Sh- should I? Do, do I get paid for this job? Tim keeps his money under his mattress. We, we got we to gotta talk, Mike. I got I got a bunch of a uh, Whataburger markers. Ooh. So it's it's the it's the little thing they hand you the the. We, I think they call them tents, but they hand them and they have a number on them, and that's that's what they bring your order out to. And mm-hmm. so I've stolen like twenty of those over back in my reckless college days. Um, <laughs> Interesting. They're very valuable to me. Yeah, what burgers are valuable. Um, so so, so you're betting, that, that, but, but you're betting on what that they'll make the playoffs, that they'll both continue, that Demarcus will be the second leading scorer in the NBA. Like, what is the bet for? I I think they'll be a five hundred team. Um, and we'll we'll see here how that shakes out in the playoffs. It's just it's hard to predict the playoffs just because the Western Conference they they can be a good team that should make the playoffs and miss the playoffs because the Western Conference is what it is. But uh, I, I do think they're a 500 team and in, in maybe a few games above it. Uh, let's see. Yaya Dubin sent us a question. Uh, good old Jared, our buddy Jared. Let's see what we got here. Oh, this is this one was interesting. I didn't even think of this. Okay, a point guard has led the NBA in scoring. Three straight years. Right now, top three scorers are all forwards. Will it be a point guard or not by the end of the year, Mike? Just so we're clear, the top four scorers are now Giannis by a mile, which, how have we gone this long without talking about him? Because <laughs> so we've literally the, talked about Giannis most of our podcast. But, we should. The, the answer is whatever position you qualify Giannis is who will lead the right. scoring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Giannis by a mile. DeMarcus Cousins is second, and Porzingis is now third. Steph Curry is fourth. Um yeah, I mean, who are the candidates to lead the league in scoring right now? I mean, you're basically – see, I thought that I would have picked Kyrie Irving, and hmm. I don't know where he ranks right now. Um, but, no, I think Giannis will lead the league in scoring. I saw an amazing stat. This is from our friend Fred Katz, who works for the oh, – some paper in Oklahoma. What's the name Norman of this Norman script. Yeah, that's right. Um, he is – currently Giannis is averaging 23.5 points per game in the paint this year. Chief. That is the highest total of any player, period – since they started tracking that in 1996. That's higher than Shaq. Yeah, I was going to say, that's Shaq. That's amazing. Yeah, I, hey, look. That is incredible. I would say that he's right now the favorite to lead the league in scoring, and then I guess, yeah, it's like you said, what exactly is um, <laughs> what exactly is he? Is he considered a point guard? Right. There's some stat about like his PER being higher than cumulatively like LaMarcus Aldridge, two other all-stars is I'm blanking on <laughs> well. combined. But not that LMA gives you a full stat sheet. Right. Um, let's so, see. So who, who do you think is leading the league in scoring this year then, Tim? Would you, would you, what would you, I would bet, um, I think I would bet like, uh, let me think. I, I would bet like um, our glass coffee table, so like something that's actually like pretty valuable, that it will be honest, leading the league in scoring. I, I don't. I don't see how it isn't him at this point. I mean, how how can you bet against that guy? How how can you, <clears throat> how how can you how can you see what he's doing and, and just like, like the the fact that he's able to beat you if if you play him close and then beat you if you lay off him and beat you if if you do anything in between and beat you if if you send a double team at him. I, I don't I don't see an effective defense that's going to stop him, you know, from scoring thirty a yeah. night as long as he can hit a couple jumpers. Or um, even if he doesn't. Uh, even if he doesn't exactly like he can still do drop 25 30 on you easily you know if one one or two jumpers and and he's easily you know over 30 points i just i don't i don't see any way other way around it unless 
you know, something something catastrophic happens to the Bucks, and 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 somehow he's not able to to get the get the same spacing. But it's just the, the fact that he like he doesn't need to beat you off. The, he can beat you off the dribble, and when he doesn't, he just reaches around you because his 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 arms are longer than you. It's it's he is uh he's I think my favorite player to watch right now just because oh, yeah. it's so different. It's just like he's not. It's like everybody's playing basketball and he's playing some other sport that, you know, only he can play. Only he's allowed to play. There's no such thing as too much hype on him because, yeah, it's exactly that. Like, I, you just have to watch him. Like, this isn't, this is, we've never seen this before. What were you going to say, Alex? He's a glitch in the basketball matrix. I've never seen anyone like him. I don't think we'll ever see anyone like him again. <laughs> he's 22. <laughs> 22. Yeah. Um, before he's younger ra- than me. <laughs> Well, then he's really young. <laughs> Man, if he's younger than you. <laughs> yeah. Um, real quick, let's, before we wrap up, um, why don't each of you guys like pick out something that you've noticed that is interesting, maybe on a little smaller scale or sort of a more granular type of thing, and assess how likely it is that it will continue. Uh, Alex, what's so, something you're seeing? So I don't know if this exactly fits that criteria, but Minnesota with Tom Thibodeau having the league's worst defense, dead last, 115.9 points per 100 possessions allowed, opponents making over half their shots. It's it's stunning, their inability to play defense. So some of that, in fairness, is that when Butler didn't play, they gave up like a buck 30 of the Pacers and looked really bad. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of amazing. We thought last year maybe it was like, oh, they got to get used to a system, but it doesn't look like it's gotten any better. I mean, why do you think that is? I think, uh, well, I think Jeff Teague was a poor signing, especially considering they gave him the exact contract that George Hill got from the Kings. Money would have been way better spent getting someone like George Hill. And then uh, I think Carl Towns has been kind of leaking points down low. And if you have a center that can't really protect the rim, that's what happens. Why is he so bad on defense? I, I, this has like been the confusing. I have some theories, but I don't know if you guys have have others. Um because I, I have like kind of a working theory about this. Because you know, his first year he was a lot better, and then he's been really bad since. I, I don't know what you guys think, what Tim, what you think is going on there. I I I'm baffled. I and I'm still mad about the Jeff T. Or uh, sorry, the the George Hill Jeff T. thing. Why does the um, league? But, but why does the league keep calling them equivalents? They got the same contract. They were traded for each other. George Hill is so much better. Well, George Hill ain't exactly like lighting it up right now. He's got injury problems. Uh, I'll like, take him I'm, over I, Teague though. I, he's I, playing for the Kings. Of course, he's not lighting it up. No, I know, but he's got. He also has injury issues. Like I think that's a big part of it. I don't think Jeff Teague is their problem. With Towns, I think the uh, my theory is that he's got he's thinking too much. He's got too much going on in his brain. You know when he's on defense, and so everything is is like a beat slow. It's a I got to get in this stance, or and I got to get out of this stance, and like he just he just thinks the game too slowly. I think there's too much floating around in there, and he does look a kind of he does look a little bit like that, where he's just like, all right, I am going to step over. I I'm going to hedge this pick and roll, and then it's like he's thinking it out in his head, right. and then doing it, and then and then he has to react, and he's like, oh. The man slipped. I need to follow him into the paint. And I don't. Uh, yeah, it's, right. just, it's an odd, it's an odd situation that that he is kind of mechanical in, in that way, and not in a good way. I have to get down in a stance now. Up oh, too late. Uh, it's like that, and I sort of feel like when he plays instinctually, he's quite good. I, one of the trends I'm really curious to watch is like if Thibodeau does not improve that team defensively, you have to wonder if maybe. The problem there is that what he asks people to do is too complicated to execute on a basketball floor. 
um, because you did it with the Bulls, but that was a much more veteran team that could process a lot more information. You know, I, that is an interesting trend to look at to me because if the because Towns should be so much better, and I don't think it's that a lack of willingness to be a good defender. I just think he needs a little bit more structure and guidance, and sometimes you know. You, you're an expert and you just have too many things that are running through your head and you need to be simplified. I, I'm just curious to see that trend work itself out. Um, so that's an interesting one. Okay, Tim, what's a trend you find interesting? I think it's fascinating that uh, the, the Rockets are playing slow now. Um, so relatively slow, yeah. right? I, be- I believe they're 20th in the league uh, without double-checking that, but I, I believe they're below average. Um, I, I don't think it keeps up, but but last season they were... Uh, second in pace, and and I'm not sure they're going to get all the way back there. And if anything, um, you'd think it would because, slow down when Chris Paul comes back. Right, I was going to say you can't exactly, blame Chris Paul exactly. for this. I I do think I do think Chris is very open to playing the um the the off ball role, and and I think he's very open to kind of accepting a new style. Um, he's never had an off ball. He's never had an off ball player that he can really rely on like James Harden. Uh, nothing nothing close to that. Um, so, so I do think, I do think Paul will accept that, but, but yeah, no, I mean, he's still used to playing slow and, and I, I don't think there's any chance they get all the way up, you know, probably not even to, into the top five. I, I do think they probably end up top 10 in pace. So how much, um, of, but that, how much of this but is, that doesn't, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, how much of this is the, the Rockets playing slow and how much of this is everybody else going like at the speed of light? So the Rockets right now, according to NBA.com, they're playing at about 99.9 possessions per game. That is 20th in the league right now. But if they had played at that exact same pace last year, and it's slower than they would play last year, last year that would have ranked them 10th. So how much of it is yeah. the Rockets playing slow and everybody, and how much of it is everybody else playing too fat, really fast? I mean, it's it's clearly a combination of both. Um, I think I think 10th is... You know that 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 makes sense in terms of understanding. You know they're they're slower, but they're not you know 18 spots slower when you compare them to last year's team. Um, the the other thing that I, I would I would point out is that you know they are D'Antoni's system. You know is not seven seconds or less in in Houston. That is that is not what he demands. That's not what he asked of them. Um, in fact, when I was down there reporting a story, one one quote that stood out to me that I, I don't think I ever used anywhere. Um, was was that was D'Antoni telling me that you know the the pace they go at is not you know Steve Nash's pace or seven seconds or less, um, they they go at James Harden's pace, um, and now you know presumably they they kind of go out at Harden's and whenever Chris Paul gets back they go at their paces so, you know they they can still be the Rockets and shoot all these threes and you know take take fifty a game fifty three pointers a game and and still you know without without having the the top pace in the league, um, and if that's an area they see that they can kind of course correct and. And, you know, as as the entire league is speeding up, they can slow down and get benefits out of it. You know, that's that's a very Daryl Morey thing to do to, you know, exploit an inefficiency that, you know, when when everybody else digs, they, they're, they're going to zag a little bit. And, you know, if that helps them, then, you know, that that would be that would be just a very, very Rockets thing to do. So they they had a one game where they shot 28 two pointers in the entire game. Uh, it was against yeah. Charlotte. That was pretty amazing. I, I also it's think the, it was a record. It's the fewest ever. I also think some of it is not conscious. Like so, when you're playing guys like PJ Tucker and Bob Mute more, like they're more reluctant to fire away, and so then possessions will take longer. So I think that's sort of another element of it. Uh, there are a few things I wanted to point out as sort of little interesting trends. Tim, you followed this team a lot. Uh, 
What do you make of the the Thunder being positive point differential with Russell Westbrook off the floor this year? Is that going to continue? I love it. Uh, yeah, I, I I think so. From what I've gathered, you know, they they basically have turned uh, Carmelo into, you know, Nick's Carmelo, or or just really, you know, the Carmelo we've known for most of his career um, with the second unit. So so when when Russ goes off and, and when George goes off, they they put Carmelo in there and say, you know, go go be that isolation scorer that that you've proven you can be for so many years. And you know, when when you're in the starting lineup, you're you're not going to get as many touches, but we will we will put you in lineups by yourself and let you run loose. And I think that, you know, it's not the most efficient thing possible. It's it's not as efficient as their starting five, but you know, compared to how miserable that that you know those bench units were last year. Almost anything would be better, and and isolation Carmelo is definitely better. Um, now you, you can argue whether George would be a better fit in that. Yeah, spot I almost feel as, like as isolation kind of a, PG. But then the problem is that you want PG probably plays better off uh, Russ. He does, yeah. So and then the the re- yeah the reason I love George is just that he's so good off the ball and he's so good coming off screens. He's he's good in ways that superstars aren't, and right, that's why not very I think good he fits right better now, in the starting five. <laughs> That's true, not, but, not but yeah, at least at least next to Westbrook, I feel is where is where uh, George can be most effective. Now the question is whether next to Westbrook and Mello, but that also is partly solved if you get Mello out of the out of the game real quick, out of the starting five, and then Rhea, Rhea you know, sub him back in later on when it was just kind of him anchoring a a Westbrookless unit. Um, I, th- I think I think that works well. What um I'm looking this up right now real quick. Uh, what is the when the when all three of the uh, what do we call those like three? We can't do the three alphas anymore. Um, we can't do the like kind of like what's the big? It can't be a big three. Like they have to have a name, you know. For Carmelo I mean, Russ, it has been the big three, but I I'm, I'm with you if if we want to come up with something more creative. All right, I'm gonna kind of deputize our listeners to figure that one out. Uh, yeah, they're actually pretty good with all three of them in the game, so that's not what I would. Yeah, say. listeners, if you come up with something creative, just DM it to me, and I'm going to take credit for it. But uh, but I would love that. Okay, um, some little trends. Uh, Al- Alex, really, what do you think of this one? Um, the real Allen underscore E sent this. Uh, he first pointed out that the average distance of a three point shot has kept going back which I think is a trend that's here to stay. But he also pointed this out, and I, we also got this question from uh, DA Silver 3. Is like, is there going to be a team that like is really good on offense without shooting threes proficiently or a lot? And he asked about DA Silver 3, asked about the Spurs, who are now dead last in the league in attempts from three. Are we like? Can, is it possible to be like a good offensive team if you don't shoot the three ball well? If it is possible, only Pop would be able to pull it off. And even that's going to change a little bit when Kawhi comes back. They'll start shooting right. some more. Um, but outside of that potential exception, I would say no. I mean, there's a, the overwhelming problem of three is worth more than two. Mm-hmm. But I do think there will... Like, <clears throat> Go ahead. <clears throat> Sorry. Even if you see a... Even if there's a Shaq-like player who would theoretically you know, be the type of player who could... you know scored two pointers at such a high rate um that that would make it worth it but but the advantage to a shock like player is that you can collapse the defense and kick it out to threes i i don't i don't see how three pointers in any way you know are going away or or not you know any any offense who is successful inside is going to open up more three pointers for themselves so right and also the ability to shoot the three opens up more uh attempts i mean to me the only way that it could happen 
is if you suddenly become this, there are a couple ways. One, if you become this like super amazing mid-range team. And so when you come off the pick and roll, you can shoot 60% on those pull-up twos, which I don't think anyone in the league can do at this point. Uh, the only other way a team I can, full of dirts. Basically, a team full of like point guard dirks because you have to be able to create yeah. those shots. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't see that. The other way that I think the Spurs are at least it's worth watching them is that if you're really good at taking away the three – so that it's the other team's not shooting threes. And then you're always so close to the basket that you naturally grind the tempo down so that there are no long rebounds. You take away those transition threes. You're really good in sort of the floater area range. But you don't shoot a lot of threes, and therefore you don't like kind of have those long rebounds that like scramble the game. But you just are able to play super slow-paced. That, I think, is the only way that you can be – Maybe not elite offensively, but a really good team without being a proficient three-point shooting team. Otherwise, I think it's really hard. Uh, two more little trends I wanted to note. Uh, a few more little trends. Over under, guys, guess how many minutes the death lineup has played this year? Because we haven't talked about the Warriors on this show. 25. Under, under 20. The answer is zero. Whoa. Oh. Zero minutes for the death lineup this year. <clears throat> wow. Zero. Why do you think that is? I think they don't give a crap about the regular season. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. Uh, ha- they don't like playing Draymond at center. Well, have they been not been playing Draymond at center much, or is it just with other lineups? I don't think they've really played much Draymond at center either. I mean, they're playing a lot of their... I mean, they had the Kevon Looney showcase game against the Wizards. They've had the Jordan Bell showcase games. Uh, they still play Zaza quite a bit. Um, Are they playing McGee much? Zaza. And they're still playing a little bit. A little bit. David West is off to a really good start, so he plays. So uh, zero. How many do you think they're going to end up playing by the end of the year? Because it it seems fairly clear that the Warriors do not really care about the regular season. My seventy five and seven prediction is looking not so good right now. I'll say they make it to thirty five. That's it. That no. might even be too high. That's like not even a full game's worth of in eighty two games. When you, when you do look at five five man units, it always surprises me how small the sample sizes are. Yeah, because um, I guess you do have a so lot that's part of, of it. Well, how many minutes did they play last year? Again, another thing I should have probably looked up before I threw this stat out. I would guess it was probably you know two hundred. I don't think it was even that much. I would have said like something yeah, like seventies. Uh, let me check this while we talk more yeah, about I mean, how if the you think about it, if, if if you only break it out for the for the final you know final few minutes of the game. And you only are in close games, you know, every six games, you know, that's that's three minute chunks. You know, that's that's like six minutes a month. Yeah, maybe 10 minutes a month. If you run it for five minutes, uh, it actually played 224 minutes last year. Okay. That's a little more than I thought they did. 224. I, I, I would I would bet something very valuable that uh that, that it's under 50 this year. Under 50. That is very interesting. That's a trend worth watching. So that's fascinating. Uh, I don't want to. And the other reason is Jordan Bell. I mean, Jordan, yeah. they have Jordan Bell. They have Kevin Looney, who, who showed up out of nowhere. You know, JaVale's good at this role. They have centers they can rotate in there, but who aren't, you know, James Michael McAdoo. Yeah, I, I don't know them, if it's but. that they have centers they can rotate in or centers that they choose to rotate in. Uh, but yeah, uh, I do want to also shout out that my new favorite lineup uh, in the NBA is what I call CJ and the Kids. Uh, it's Toronto CJ Miles with uh, OG Ananobi, Fred Van Fleet, Jakob Pertl, and Delon Wright. So CJ and the Kids, I'm sure we can come with a better lineup. 
name. They're playing the most minutes so far for Toronto. They Obviously, Toronto never played uh, these sort of all-bench units before. And it's a really successful lineup so far. So CJ and the kids, I just want to shout out that lineup. I think that's really cool. And anything else that's, that's standing out? I mean, the fast pace is kind of killing me right now. I, I feel like that's going to come back down to earth. We talked about the three-point thing. Um, any other players that you think uh, are either going to fall back to earth or continue to surge? Uh, anyone else that kind of stands out to you all? I think, I think Fultz will be fine. What? Uh, when will he come back? Because uh, I know you're a doctor say, and you can predict these things. Yes, yes, I am. Uh, my medical, my medical degree that that I that I obviously spent years obtaining um, pro- projects him back in I don't know January, January mid mid December, okay. something like that. But I, I think whenever he comes back, he's going to be fine. I, I I do think that it's it was the most bizarre story that that I've seen in quite some time in the NBA. You know, maybe dating back to like that DeAndre Jordan thing or something. But um, I, I think he's fine. Like, nobody I'm, could I'm really agree. not concerned. Nobody could agree on when he's changed his shooting free throw form. I mean, that is such a weird one. Very um, odd. It's just and, so bizarre. And the chicken and the egg element of did the injury cause the change or did the change cause the injury? Who knows? I think he should just shoot it underhand. Let's just like like ditch like or try to bounce it in. Like you know what? If you're gonna change your form, like go all out. That's what I say. That's the NBA in the first few weeks of the season. Tim Cato from Esmination.com. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. And Alex Rubenstein, uh, thanks for sitting in on oh, this. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Until next time, friends. This is a limited upside podcast. Oh.